these youth must make their own historic mission and that they will be remembered with a less defeat drugs, less defeat substance abuse. Let's go out of that negative trend and then stop taking drugs that are killing the nation, that are killing the young people, that are killing the young minds, that are the future resource of tomorrow, so that we can then be remembered as this generation that's turned and this generation that said no to drugs and this generation that says no to rape and that is the generation that says no to violence in society. Indeed, uh, Deputy Minister Obed Babela there talking about uh, Youth Month. We are broadcasting live at uh, the Pelindaba Stadium in Newcastle this coming Sunday, the Youth Day. The theme for this year is really focusing on economic development of young people and drugs. Uh, it's a serious problem. What can be done to take young people off drugs and substance abuse? I mean, alcohol, one of uh, the serious problems. Really, young people drink like fish today. So what can be done? Should we ban alcohol advertising? Will that help? What do you have uh, in mind, really, around uh, this particular issue? You can SMS us 34701. This uh, this year's theme of uh, Youth Day focusing on economic development of young people, but importantly on drugs and how can we as a society really deal with uh, the drug problem that is really besieging our young people. This is Midday Live on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Still to come, Prosecutor Clinis Breitenbach will be moved from the National Prosecutor's Authority's uh, Specialized Commission Crimes Unit to the Office of the National Director of Public Prosecutions. Our reporter Edwin City will join me here in the studio just to really tell us why this move by the NPA. But our top story at this hour, dismissed workers at extractors Steelport Chrome Mine in Limpopo are anxiously waiting for the outcome of a meeting held between Labor Union AMCO and Extractor Mine. Uh, the meeting was held until late yesterday in Gauteng. About 2,000 dismissed workers at Extractor's Steelport Mine yes, dispersed yesterday without getting any outcome of a meeting between Labor Union AMCO and Mine Management. Let's talk now to our reporter, Witness Stiba. Good afternoon to you, Witness. Good afternoon, Perpetua and the listeners. What is happening at the moment right there at uh, Steelport uh, Chrome Mine in Limpopo? Yeah, let me indicate that the local leaders of the Labour Union AMCO have just briefed uh, about 2,000 workers who have been dismissed here on the outcome of the meeting held uh, between the management and uh, the union's representatives in Houting uh, yesterday. So what we gathered here, uh, the kind of feedback which uh, was given to the workers is that uh, all the, uh, about 2,000 workers of uh, Extrata steel port mine remain uh, dismissed. There was no positive outcome for the workers, and uh, here workers reacted differently to the kind of message which was given to them by the uh, local leaders here, uh, looking at the outcome of that particular meeting. I'm sure uh, the mine workers will be worried at, at this. They are very worried, Bongi, uh, where some of them indicated that they are not going to allow mine operations uh, to continue or the mine to hire uh, new employees, as that was the indication given to them that they will uh, open the process of rehiring new employees. And they're saying that that process is mainly aimed at uh, selecting workers and it will not, the mine management's intention is not to, is to, to close out some of the employees who apparently led uh, this unprotected strike. And AMCO, what are they saying about uh, the, the, the meeting and of course what uh, the, the mine management has said? Yeah, they reacted uh, the same way as the workers because you, you remember, you know that uh, all the leaders of this AMCA also working at this uh, mine 
So they're also worried that uh, they were leading workers or they led workers to strike and at the moment nothing came out of it. A number of them lost their jobs. And they're also worried that uh, they, need to, they, they need to give answers. They were asked many questions by these employees to, to say what is the way forward here and uh, they, they, couldn't, they could not give uh, clear answers as to what is the uh, way forward because at the moment there's no available avenue for them to ensure that they are being retained at this particular mine. But uh, really it's a question of uh, reality setting in because uh, the, the, the mine has been steadfast in saying that uh, this is an unprotected strike. They, they, they gave the workers uh, uh, first notice and second notice and uh, really they didn't hit to, that, uh, to those two notices and uh, they, they were fired. So it's, it's the reality really coming, coming through now. Yeah, reality, as you are saying, uh, we have home. a number of uh, these people, uh, ordinary workers, uh, are, are starting to realize that uh, they really made a mistake by not uh, uh, appealing for their business. And you remember that they were given two chances after engaging uh, on, in this unprotected strike. But uh, at the moment, the situation is still calm, uh, and, and uh, that tension, obviously, uh, setting in uh, among the, the, the mine workers. Yeah, let me indicate that there is tension here where, where I am. Uh, by simply talking to these uh, workers, you'll see that uh, some of them are emotional. They are filled with anger now that they, they lost their jobs. As you know that in the country, we are facing the challenge of uh, lack of job, job opportunities. So a number of them are going to obviously add to that queue. We thank you very much, uh, our reporter in Limpopo, Witness Tiba, at exactly 12 and a half minutes past 12. <laughs> A top story this hour, the Constitutional Court has ruled that uh, the, president, uh, the President does not have to pay the costs of an expert witness brought by Hugh Glenister in his challenge to the Hawks Act. Looking at the markets at this hour, gold is trading at $1,382.10 an ounce, platinum at $1,451.50 an ounce, the rand is trading at 9 rand 90 against the US dollar, firming the rand a little bit, and uh, 15 rand 40 to the pound and 13 rand 20 to the euro. Deputy President Khalima Mutlante says some of the current problems facing the mining industry cannot uh, all be solved at once. Mutlante was speaking ahead of a meeting in Pretoria with various labor unions and employers aim to ensure peaceful bargaining season in the mining sector. For more on this now, we joined on the line by our economics reporter, that's Tsepo Mungwai. Good afternoon, Tsepo. Good afternoon, Bongi, and to SFM listeners. All right, uh, the, the president was to meet with uh, uh, the key role players in the mining sector. Has that meeting started? Uh, it started, although it started a little bit late. Currently, they are in a closed uh, meeting. Uh, uh, as members of the media, we're not part of that deliberations, but we were told that uh, perhaps in the afternoon around uh, 1 o'clock we would know the outcome. So basically what has been happening is that Deputy President Khalma Matante has been meeting with various uh, labor unions uh, during the past uh, two weeks, uh, and there were certain deliberations that happened with certain uh, proposals that were made so what will be happening is that uh, behind the closed doors, we were told that each union will be making its own presentation for about 15 minutes. And then from there, all those deliberations will be combined. Uh, and then there will be a draft uh, proposal, uh, a joint proposal 
that will pave the way forward in terms of how unions should uh, conduct themselves as well as employers uh, and also as a way of ironing out differences and trying to find a common ground. But who's attending this meeting? Uh, we've got various uh, labor federations as well as unions. Uh, FEDUSA is there, uh, COSATU, um, even employers. Uh, the Chamber of Mines is also represented uh, under FEDUSA. You've got OASA and other affiliated unions as well as COSATU and its affiliated uh, unions. Uh, you've, we also from the, the from government we've got Minister of State Security Siabonga Twele, uh, Mining Minister Susan Shabang is also present. Finance Minister Pravin Gordon is also part of that uh, deliberation. Earlier, Deputy President uh, uh, quoted as saying that uh, the, the current problems facing the mining industry cannot be uh, resolved all at once. Perhaps alluding to the complexity of uh, the, the, the matters in the mining sector. Absolutely. In his opening remarks, he did indicate that, look, they, they, they have to come up with whatever is possible, uh, but certain issues will not be, the, the, the solutions would have to be long-term and others they should strive to, where possible, come up with immediate solutions to the current problems and, and perhaps even medium-term answers to the current challenges that are facing the mining industry. Uh, there has to be willingness from both parties to, to sit down and talk to ensure that there is uh, uh, investor confidence in the South African mining industry once again. And, and also, I guess here, the, 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 pres- the Deputy President would want to be seen to be neutral, uh, of course, avoiding the, the accusation that uh, the, the ANC-led government is, is going into this in bad faith. Uh, they are sympathetic to NUM, which is obviously affiliated to COSAT and COSATU uh, being a part of the Trapatat Alliance. Absolutely. I mean, in the past, AMCO has raised concerns that uh, question the issue of uh, impartiality on the side of government. But of recent, they have uh, demonstrated uh, confidence in the uh, deputy president's ability to be a neutral player in this regard. Uh, I, I believe perhaps it's following the, the meetings that they've had in the past two weeks with the deputy president where they met him as a union individually. Uh, so out of that, I think that has kind of brought some confidence uh, that indeed Deputy President is not biased, although he's a member of the ANC, which is affiliated uh, to the COSATU uh, as an alliance, uh, but they, they think he, he can be a, a, a neutral player in, in, in ensuring that everyone comes to the party uh, as an equal partner. We thank you very much, Awatse uh, Pumongwai, attending that uh, uh, meeting convened by the Deputy President to try and resolve uh, really current uh, issues that are troubling the mining sector. We know that Uwasa, Num, Amku, Fedusa, Solidarity, Naktu, Kosatu and the Chamber of Mines, as well as uh, the South African Mining Development Association, are represented in that meeting. It's 18 minutes past 12. South Africa's already constrained power system is put under severe strain as the cold weather sets in. Please switch off your geysers, pool pumps and non-essential appliances during the evening peak period. Minimize the use of electric heaters, especially during the peak period between 5 p.m. and 9 p.m. by dressing warmly. Using gas heaters, hot water bottles and blankets. So keep warm while using less electricity and help us beat the peak to keep South Africa powered up. ESCOM. 
Powering your world. The Standard Bank Jazz Festival kicks off in Grahamstown on the 27th of June. SAFM is proud once again to be the official radio partner. Join us for 10 days of amazing jazz and blues, featuring Mikasa, Esavan Naidu, and dozens more local and international jazz superstars. Also featuring the 2013 Young Artist Award winner for jazz, Shane Cooper. SAFM will be there to bring you some amazing performances and keep you in the loop with all the backstage action. But there's nothing quite like being there, so book now at CompuTicket and head to Grahamstown for the Standard Bank Jazz Festival. Join NetBank and SAFM in keeping others warm this winter. Support the NetBank SAFM winter campaign by donating a minimum amount of 50 rands into the winter campaign account at a NetBank branch or contribute 20 rands by SMSing the word WINTER to 40017. For more information on the campaign, visit netbank.co.za. Make things happen. NetBank, in partnership with SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader, bringing warmth this winter. We go to Durban now and we speak to our reporter Nonjabulo Mdungwa. This after a 41-year-old man who was sentenced to two life imprisonment for raping his daughter 10 years ago has been released on a 1,000 rand bail by the Point Magistrate Court in Durban. Sviso Shez was sentenced 10 years after uh, his wife and daughter had accused him of rape. His daughter, who is now 18 years old, approached the court where she made a sworn statement confessing that she was forced by her mother to lie about the rape. Uh, Nunjabulo, first tell us more about this story. Where did it all start? Well, at the moment, what I can tell you is that um, it all started way back around about in 2000 where um, Mr. Shazi and his wife had had an argument. Apparently, the wife had um, a boyfriend on the side, and apparently they've been arguing for quite some time, and the daughter was eight years old at that time. And um, it is alleged that uh, Mr. Shazi had found out about the affair, and uh, the wife had found wanted ways in, um, to get rid of Mr. Shazi, and uh, she had actually forced the daughter to actually lie, and they've actually went uh, to the police and laid charges that uh, Mr. Shazi had raped the daughter. And um, it was heard on the court, and uh, at the Durban High Court, uh, back in 2003, where uh, they told the court that um, this didn't happen once. It happened uh, several times, which means that he had raped the daughter uh, repeatedly, which is why they had actually given, uh, given him uh, two life terms. But uh, 10 years later, uh, Mr. Shezi um, is going to be released, and we're here outside uh, the Westville prison where we're waiting for him to be released. What I can say is that his family as well as um, the in-laws are also here. Now, what is really sad at this moment is that uh, Mr. Shezi's wife, uh, the one who had actually fostered water to lie in court, uh, died way back in 2009. The daughter is also here. She's actually willing to see her father. And she has told us that she wants to apologize to her father. And we have actually been told that she had been visiting her father regularly here at the Westville prison. Mm. It, it's, it's a very complicated story, though it would appear straightforward. The, 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 the girl, the daughter now, uh, is, is 18 years old. Uh, Mr. Shazer spent 10 years, so it means that uh, she was around about 8 when, when this whole thing started. 
how difficult or easy was was it for her i know i don't know if you've spoken to her to really remember the the chain of events that happened uh, when she was 8 years and when she was making this allegation to court that led uh, to his father being being arrested and sentenced for two life in, uh, uh, in prison well we have spoken to both the families both sides uh, of the families and um uh, her aunt um who's also um here who is uh, the sister to uh, the daughter's mother, um, has actually told us that, you know, the daughter at that time, she was eight and she had been crying um, a lot of times and she had confessed to them that uh, the mother had forced her to actually lie. And also, um, as well as Shez's family, they said that, you know, the daughter had also uh, told uh, them that um, she was forced to lie. And um, apparently the case was quite strong and... Um, it was difficult for them to actually prove beyond reasonable doubt that Ashesi did not do this. But she tells us that she remembers everything, and she also told us that she even remembers the time where her mother said had threatened that um, should she tell anyone, um, she would actually uh, hurt her. Or, uh, well, so that's basically what we actually been told at this moment. Mm. And and her mother passed on in 2009, and at what point did she decide to come forward and make the confession? Well, we have been told here that uh, the daughter, um, since she had been confessing to the family, um, it was difficult for her to actually come out um, and actually go to the police and tell them this is what happened. Um, um, the family tells us that, you know, since the mother passed away in 2009, that is when they actually got that opportunity to actually go and um, go to the court and confess that this did not actually happen because the daughter says the mother was, um, well, the way she explains it, the mother was a bit of an evil woman and she could do anything um, to make sure that this uh, does not uh, uh, get out of hand or nobody finds out what really, really happened. But we have actually spoken to Mr. Shezi's representative who is Professor Mdleche. Professor Mdleche has led you know, in, in court during the time where this um, case was being heard. Apparently the mother's uh, boyfriend was also part of this and they've actually been trying to trace the mother's boyfriend because apparently he's also alive, which means that uh, since Mr. Shezi has got 1,000 rent bail, it doesn't really mean that he's like free because there are mm. terms and conditions. This basically means that uh, the case will be heard again, but obviously this different angle and okay. different um, uh, information. Njabulam Duma, reporter in Durban, thank you very much. Uh, let's talk to Kelly uh, Likoto of uh, Likoto Morekwa Attorneys. Uh, Kelly, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm all right. Uh, thank you very much. Of course, uh, you, you, you will help us understand uh, the, these matters. Really, it's a complicated thing, and I hope you are listening in. But what do you make of uh, Mr. Sfisoshez's matter? Uh, <coughs> This matter is, is, is not that uh, serious now because the daughter came and, and, and uh, done that sonar did it. I think the matter now, the magistrate was not supposed to hear the matter and give him bail. Actually, the matter was supposed to be uh, 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 being given to the High Court to listen to the, the, the previous evidence on review, all of it so that he could be released without even being given bail so that he could be acquitted on all charges. Exactly, because now there are terms and conditions for something that uh, it would appear now he didn't do. 
Yeah, and also the mother has defeated the ends of justice by forcing the child uh, to, 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 to lie about something that is very serious. And basically, uh, Mr. Shazi now is also uh, being uh, registered uh, as a, a, what do you call, a, a sex offender. Mm. Therefore, he needs also to clear his name on the uh, sex offender's list. That is also uh, being given to, to, to the department, department of Justice uh, each and every time when somebody has uh, committed uh, such a, a similar crime. We, and we know uh, th- 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 that process is not going to be easy, even when he is found to not have uh, committed the crime, but it's, it's just not going to be easy with, with our justice system here. We know of the two gentlemen who were accused of uh, political uh, murder. Uh, they were sent to jail, but it was proven that they were not even there. Even today, they are still trying to clear their name. So it's a long process. Yeah, it's a long process, but uh, I think Mr. Shazi must take uh, this uh, uh, matter to record on a review on an agent basis so that it could be uh, easily be cleared by the judge because of uh, it will be simple. The judge uh, will listen to the matter. And the magistrate, I don't think he was uh, actually he was not supposed to listen to the matter and give him bail at the first instance because of they were the ones who uh, convicted uh, uh, Mr. Shazi in the first place. And and the state in this matter, what, what is their responsibility? Can can Mr. Shazi even sue the state for wrongful arrest? Yeah, it's true. He can sue for them for wrongful arrest. And uh, I think Mr. Shazi, on the other side, must make a representation to uh, the uh, national prosecution uh, to say uh, this is the thing putting his, uh, the son at the David of his kid so that uh, they could see that they've uh, put the matter on the wall uh, on uh, uh, wrong uh, allegations. Mm. And it's really you can be able to sue, to say the state has admitted to say uh, they were wrong in even uh, uh, accusing him of the rape of the, his uh, minor child. In your line of work, how often do you come across cases like this? Is, is, is it common or it's just a peculiar case? Actually, uh, we can say they are common, but uh, because of uh, children, they are being uh, influenced by mothers. We, we, we often find uh, it difficult because of always uh, the child will testify uh, uh, under a, a camera and mm. the mother will come and testify just to, to, to uh, uh, make the, the state case uh, strong. Okay. And, on that basis, the mother sometimes you can, you can the fair magistrate can feel that the mother has influenced the child to, to lay charges against his father. All right, we thank you very much, Kelly Lekoto of Lekoto Moreco Attorneys, really trying to make sense of this. Ten years, Sviso Shez spent in jail for a crime that he didn't commit. It would appear the daughter was eight years old when she made an allegation that uh, Mr. Shezi uh, raped her, of course, uh, influenced by her mother. Now she's 18 years old and she's decided to approach the court and uh, make that sworn statement, confessing that uh, she was forced by her mother to lie about the rape. The mother is late, passed on in 2009. It's a very sad story, this one. 12.30 and it's time for the news headlines again. Lulu Gabu. Thanks, Nancy. And of course, Natalie Gimanos, it's a, it's a do or die for South Africa today. We've got to win this one against the West Indies. A draw will suit us perfectly fine. Let it rain.
a draw certainly wouldn't be a problem at all for South Africa, Vongi, and South Africa will be pretty happy with that. I think they'd like to get on the park and, and, and actually win the game and get through the semifinals in that way. But if Mother Nature is going to intervene and not let them play, well, South Africa will be the happy other two because they will make it through to the semifinals on net run rate. Their net run rate is in a positive, positive 0.91 or 0.41, whereas for the West Indies, I'm afraid there's this negative 0.09. So they would be just just out of it. We still haven't had any play. We haven't had the toss even this morning because it's been raining right throughout. The covers are still on. The groundsmen have said it would take them at least an hour to get things dry once the rain actually stops. It's lightened up a little bit and the rain has certainly started to stop. And the groundsmen are out there trying to clean up the, the, everything at the moment, taking the water off the covers and then they'll get onto the outfield as well. But it is going to take them at least an hour to dry everything once that rain has stopped completely. Um, they also also, we'll start losing overs as of now. Once you start losing an hour of play, which we have now, they start deducting overs. So this will not be a full 50-over match, whether we get on the park or not. So from South Africa's point of view, though, it is still good news. They will still be able to make it through, even if it is completely rained out. But for now, Bongi, we've had absolutely no action. But we're hoping that there will be a bit of uh, we will clear up for the afternoon and hopefully we'll get some play. Thank you very much there to Natalie Gimanos Pula. That's what we're asking for. Let there be rain. So that's at least this match will be washed out and we go through to the semis. Alright, let me read a couple of SMSs as we uh, ask what can be done really to deal with the issue of drugs and substance abuse and that's the theme of uh, this Youth Day commemoration happening in Newcastle this Sunday. That's where we'll be broadcasting from. Let me read this one coming through from... I'll start with this one. Uh, it's not signed. It says, Our family and friends should be extra guarding to help drugs and uh, drink abusers uh, to not become a temptation to them. It's unsigned. And this one uh, from uh, Norman Kumalo Diebongi. May I have the name of the tune that introduced your program? Okay, please. Uh, begs Norman Kumalo. Okay, well, I need to understand exactly which one. And uh, afternoon, uh, Ian, uh, that's Ian Mabato, listening from Kuruman in the Northern Cape. I think the problem is that everything is accessible. Drugs, Dakar, as well as uh, alcohol. Drug lords are roaming the streets selling drugs to youngsters. Shibins and other alcohol outlets allow underage to access the area. The alcohol advertising as well, uh, as well be it electronic and print media, the promotions of certain alcohol brands that are there uh, also promote easy access, uh, writes uh, Ian there. And this one, we should liberate our colonized economy by capitalizing every South African voter with a, a stimulant basic income grant uh, of uh, 250 a week, writes uh, Paseka Makoti there. Just uh, some of the SMSs uh, coming through. I'll be reading the rest of your SMSs right here on uh, Midday Live on SFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Throwing ahead now to the Youth Day that is happening on Sunday. Uh, that's uh, our live broadcast uh, from 12 roundabout uh, at Pelindaba Stadium. But also, what do you make of uh, the, the story that we've just uh, uh, read out to you now? Sifiso uh, shares is sentenced to 10 years or to two life imprisonment for the crime that he didn't do. So welcome your SMSs on uh, 34701. This is Midday Live and this is SAFM 104 to 107. Prosecutor Clinis Breitenbach will be moved from the National Prosecutor's Authority Specialized Commercial Crimes Unit, SCCU, 
to the office of uh, the National Director of Public Prosecutions. The latest move comes as the Acting National Director for Public Prosecutions, Nom Gobo Jiba, filed papers in the Labour Court seeking an order that will see Breitenbach being dismissed. In the studio with me right now is, uh, of course, uh, Edwin C.D. Edwin, good afternoon to you. Already the opposition party has uh, commented on this, saying that uh, this is a wrong move. But uh, what do you have for us? Why was uh, Breitenbach moved? Well, Bongi, for the better part of this morning, we have been trying to get the NPA to clarify to us uh, why this move. But, of course, uh, you would know that uh, Breitenbach has been dealing with uh, several high-profile cases, including that, uh, that will come first to your mind, that uh, will include uh, Richard Mkluri's case and uh, other several high-profile politicians. So, as I said initially, Bongi, we have been trying to get the NPA to, I mean, I mean, I mean to tell us uh, as to why this move. And when was this uh, decision taken? Apparently, according to uh, Breitenbach's lawyers, uh, this move was taken yesterday, and they were only informed just before 7 p.m. Uh, that uh, you know what we have taken this decision that uh, he should, I mean, she should be moved to the office of the National Director of Public Prosecution. But of course, uh, I mean, we suspect, and of course, all, also opposing parties are suspecting that uh, the move might be taken, might have been taken on Monday when Jiba met, uh, I mean, met Breitenbach, because you know that uh, Jiba, I mean, Breitenbach Breitenbach was supposed to go back to work, uh, uh, I mean, on Monday, but uh, what we know at this stage is that uh, the, the meeting took place with Jiba, but we don't know the details of that particular meeting. But to answer your question directly, they were informed via a letter last night that uh, she will be moved. And uh, her reaction to this? Well, uh, you know that she has not been speaking, I mean, since this, uh, pub, I mean, since this, this disciplinary hearing started, but, uh, you know, I've been in touch with Gerald Wagner, who told us that uh, we, we only advised, uh, I mean, last night, and this is what he had to say. Well, I'm not going to deal with the contents of the meeting between Advocate Jiva and Advocate Breitenbach on Monday. What I, what I can ever tell you is that uh, we have uh, received a letter just before 7 o'clock last night uh, indicating that Ms. Breitenbach will be redeployed to the office of the Director of Public Prosecutions in Pretoria and not to the SECU anymore. And the acting director for public prosecution, Namtobojia, has filed papers in the Labour Court, mm. uh, really challenging an earlier move, but also basically wanting Breitenbach to be dismissed. To be dismissed. That's correct. So how do you have the two? How do you then move move her while she's still waiting for the uh, Labour Court's uh, uh, ruling on this one? Well, it's puzzling. I mean, I mean, uh, Bongi as to this decision by Nongoba Jiba. However, uh, um, as you correctly said, Jiba filed a motion of notice with the Labour Court on Wednesday, and the acting NGTP is asking for a judicial review of its own disciplinary hearing, which cleared uh, Breitenbach in its uh, rather in her motion. The NPA uh, wants uh, Breitenbach to be found guilty on 12 charges against her. Jiba also wanted the matter to be referred back to the chairperson of the disciplinary hearing cell, Bimbenenge SC, for what she calls an, an appropriate sentence. She also contended that Mbenenge's decision to clear Breitenbach was uh, irrational and grossly unreasonable. She also adding that uh, Mbenenge's decision was informed by what she termed material error of law. All right, uh, we thank you very much, uh, Edwin C.D., our reporter, really telling us about this uh, particular story. And the main opposition party is fuming over the move by the NPA to redeploy craftbuster Glennis Breitenbach to the office of the Acting National Director of uh, Public Prosecutions, as you heard that uh, the letter was uh, issued yesterday. Let's go down to Durban now, where the Top Gear Festival is on the starting line and ready to take off for a second time in Durban this weekend. The popular motoring extravaganza draws its supporters from 
from the hugely successful Top Gear television program. And this year, Top Gear Live will visit five cities across the globe, from Moscow to Sydney and Holland to Durban. It is expected to be a jam-packed weekend of stunts, speed and uh, souped-up cars. Minosh Nipile caught up with the quirky Top Gear trio as they touched down in Durban and for this report. The Top Gear Festival is an extension of the hugely popular Top Gear television show. Last year was the first spin of the event to a massive Durban crowd that came out in their numbers, lining the street circuit and filling the live stadium shows. So this year, the festival is back, complete with the trademark Top Gear stunts, displays, smashes and customized car shows. Presenters of the Top Gear show, Jeremy Clarkson, James May and Richard Hammond, vehemently put their stamp on Durban's Moses Mabida Stadium and the crowd as the best in the world. It was the most enjoyable live event we'd ever done, by a country mile. So um, we are really properly delighted to be back. There was nowhere, there's no, there's no better stadium in the world and there's no better audience than we found here last year. So we're back in a heartbeat. Particularly when we're in Australia, we go, you're a really nice audience. Yep. Not as good as they are in South Africa. They love it. They love it. They like it. A major attraction at the festival is the Stig. The mystery racing driver decked out in white overalls and a racing helmet, who never talks but is certainly king of the track. Clarkson and May jokingly say that while the stick is a serious driver, he's pretty much useless at everything else. One thing we have learned just recently is the stick's head is made from wood. It's skin over wood. It's, I'm pretty certain it's a him or an it. But he's so stupid that he's... His head must be made of wood. You know, there are some people in the world who can, say, play the violin or uh, paint pictures or repair car engines, but they can't do anything else. You know, they're, they're, they're virtually inept in every other situation, tying shoelaces, preparing food, dressing themselves. The stick is a bit like that. He can drive cars, but he can do nothing else. <laughs> the wonderfully quirky trio have twice shot programs in Africa, with the most recent being an epic two-part show. And they all agree that shooting and visiting Africa is close to their hearts. The three of us really like coming to Africa. So we do these specials at Christmas time. And we came to Botswana a few years ago. And more recently we went to Uganda and Tanzania and, uh, and Rwanda. We'd like to do Africa again to annoy the Australians. We've never done Australia. Because we've never been to Australia. And they would like us to, and we've been to Africa twice, and they've noticed. But, and they've noticed, and we recently filmed in New Zealand mm. to annoy them even more. From rally cars to antiques and even tandem drifting, this year's Top Gear Festival is raring to go. Two-time Formula One champion Mika Hakkinen, who's known as the Flying Finn, will also join the street events this year. And if the energy of the raucous Top Gear presenters is anything to go by, this weekend's motoring festivities look set to put the festival on a bigger stage than ever before. Minoshni Palay, SABC News, Durban. And with that, it's time for your Friday lunchtime market updates. Today's JSE report is brought to you by Telcom Business. Convergence. One solution, one service provider. Telcom Business. Sidur Singh from uh, Sasfin Securities. Good afternoon. How are the markets looking going into the weekend? Well, Bungi, global markets have rebounded this morning on the back of uh, positive data out of the U.S. last night. 
and reports uh, which have suggested the U.S. Fed uh, would not take any action at its meeting next week in terms of tapering off stimulus. Over on Wall Street, uh, stocks rallied last night uh, with the S&P 500 marking its best day in five months on the back of uh, decent jobless claims numbers and retail sales data, both of which are encouraging signs for the economy. Taking a look at the U.S. stock futures, it is pointing to further gains later on this afternoon. On the local front, the JSE has taken its cue from its global counterparts, trading in positive territory, led higher by the property and banking stocks. In corporate news, uh, Telcom reported a 73% decrease in headline earnings for the full year. However, ADSL, uh, Active Mobile, and Calling Plan subscribers were up. Just taking a look at the local indices, we've got the Gold Index, which is down 0.58%. Resource 10 Index is up 0.6%. Industrial 25 Index is up 0.8%. The Financial Index is up just over 1%. And overall, the market is up around 295 points, or 0.7%, to 40,107. And the uh, stocks on the move today? On the upside, we have uh, first rand, which is up almost 3%, at 27 rands and 30 cents. Growth point is up uh, just over 2.5%, at 25 rands and 90 cents. Woolworths is up almost 2%, at 64 rands and 70 cents. Nedbank is up over 1.5%, at 169 rands and 90 cents. And on the downside, we have Aspen, which is down 2%, at 182 rands and 60 cents. Mediclinic is down 1.5%, at 66 rands. City Lodge is down 0.7% at 124 rands and 10 cents. And lastly, we have Ellie's, which is down 0.1% at 8 rand and 50 cents. And uh, your latest market indicators, so dear. Currently, we have gold, which is uh, trading at $1,382.10 an ounce. Platinum is at $1,451.50 an ounce. Brand crude is at $105.20 per barrel. And finally, we have the rand, which is trading at $9.90 to the dollar. 15 rand 40 cents to the pound and 13 rand 20 cents to the euro. That's it for me, Bongi. Have a good weekend. You too. Thank you very much, Sudur Singh of Assassin Securities. This feature was brought to you by Telcom Business. Talk to Telcom Business about getting you on the journey to convergence with a tailor made solution. Telcom Business. Marilyn, please can you order me a midday blood sugar leveling gastronomic experience? Lunch, sir? Yes, that's the word I was looking for. Using several words when one will get the job done doesn't make sense. Neither does using several providers when you can get voice, mobile, fixed, data, cloud and IT from one service provider. Call 10217, click telcom.co.za forward slash business or visit a Telcom Direct store and get a tailor-made solution. Convergence. One solution, one service provider. Telcom Business. Just a couple of SMSs. I'll start with this a tweet coming through from Debza Mashejo at Debza underscore E saying that uh, NPA makes me, makes me sick. How can they redeploy the most competent, valuable member of uh, uh, Breitenbach Kalibar? As you heard that uh, prosecutor Glenis Breitenbach will be moved from the National Prosecutor's Authority Specialized Commercial Crimes Unit and now she'll be at the Office of the National Director of Public Prosecutions. But uh, this moving story here, a 41-year-old man who's been sentenced to two life imprisonment for raping his daughter 10 years ago has been released on a thousand rand bail, obviously because uh, he didn't commit the crime and the daughter now has uh, come forth to testify that when she was eight, she was forced by her mother to do so. Um, we hear Shepard SMSing us at 34701 saying that uh, 
uh, were there any physical medical evidence other than the mother-daughter testimony as Shepard and this one coming through from Jay what did the doctor say when uh, this daughter accused the father of rape or was he convicted without any medical rape investigation shame says Jay in uh, Johannesburg and this one coming through and unsigned it says hi I have been thinking that our courts especially rape cases are taken seriously how did they sentence him without medical proof is there uh, if there was then police uh, need to investigate from investigators experts and up to the magistrate in fact it's Paul B uh, writing through from pen or is it Paul B pen alright thank you very much for all those SMS's and tweets now we joined in the studio by Janet Witten uh, let's look ahead to what's in fact we start today what's happening in the world of sports hello Janet Hello. There's nothing happening at the moment. I can see that, <laughs> and I appreciate that. And in fact, it's what we want because <laughs> I don't trust those West Indies people. Those West Indians, they can they can kick the ball. They they can they can hit it, they can kick it, they can throw it, they can do all sorts of things with it when they feel like it. <laughs> However, just to put everybody in the picture, it is raining in Cardiff at the moment. Um, the weather forecast does suggest that it might clear up this afternoon. Whether it'll clear up for long enough for them to get. Minimum 20 overs in, which is what they have to play, remains to be seen. But at the moment it is raining and they're probably going to need, if it's, once it stops raining, they're probably going to need about an hour to actually um, get get some of the, the, the excess water off the mm. field um, because it's very, very wet there. Um, so we're not sure what the situation is. However, what Bongi refers to is the fact that if there is no match played, South Africa goes through to the semi-finals by virtue of a better run rate. There's been lots of talk about uh, Mornay Morkel and the mm. fact that he came into bat injured in that first game, um, even though we lost and we had no chance of winning. Well, um, ironically, um, even if he hadn't batted, the, the, you know, the cricket statistics people, they always do this. They've worked <laughs> it out that we would still have had a better run rate uh, against the West Indies by 0.07 runs per over. Which um, sends us through. Which, which would send us through anyway. But what everybody's forgetting is that at that stage, we didn't know what the West Indies run rate was going to be. So Mornay Morkel came in because he had no idea by how much or even if India were going to beat the West Indies. So um, it, w- it was an important thing for him to do. Okay, give us those uh, permutations and, and, and figures. So we've got uh, our group, we've got India, we've got Pakistan, they've, they've gone home, we've got uh, West Indies still in with a chance if they play and win, win. and we've got South Africa. Pakistan haven't actually physically gone home yet because they have to play tomorrow. <laughs> but yes, in, in, uh, on paper they are out of the tournament. So I- essentially tomorrow's match is irrelevant because, mm. um, because India are definitely through, Pakistan are definitely out because India have already won two matches. So it is essentially this is a quarter final. That's what it is. So it's a knockout game. We're not very good at this. Are we? No, we're not. And the and the other group because I want to give it to to India this one. I mean this uh, this championship should go to India. They are playing fantastic. The other group, the other group, West yeah. The other group was also thrown into into slight disarray because of the fact that the match between Australia and New Zealand was also rained out. Um, so and and last night Sri Lanka thrashed England. Mm. Um, mm. Kumar Sangakkara was absolutely fabulous. Oh, he's an amazing cricketer. There, um, they uh, England play against New. Zealand on Sunday and Australia play against Sri Lanka on Monday. It's all it's all open there. Anything can still happen. So um, that group is very open. Okay, I just wanted to comment on the Zulu Indian relationship because there is a Malinga there, and Malinga is a Zulu surname. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk rugby now. Box and Scotland tomorrow. Wow, that's nice. 
Box against Scotland. Yeah, it isn't. It, 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 you know, Scotland aren't playing great at the moment. Um, yeah. They're not. It's, it's not really going to be a contest. Um, the earlier game between Samoa and Italy might be a little bit closer. Um, but it's an the interesting. One, it's an interesting one. But I think it is interesting in the fact that we have an interesting team playing. There's lots of youngsters in this team. There's 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 a little bit of experimenting going going forward here. Hanneke May is admitting that he's looking towards uh, next the next World Cup, which, uh, which is only in 2015. Mm, mm. Um, so I think that more than the result, actually looking at the performances of individual players is going to be more interesting. In I, I was going to say that's, that's if you're still there. Uh, uh, <laughs> but yes, oh, yeah, There's a lot of presumption <laughs> going on there, yes, absolutely. <laughs> there's lots of rugby going on at the moment, actually, because besides the Lions are playing tomorrow. The Baby Box played last night um, against France yes. in, the, in, the, in the Junior Rugby World Cup. It wasn't a great game, but it was very tense and it was very close, but they came through winners in the That's end, which the means they won yes. all the all three of their games um, in in that group, which means they are through to the semi-finals as second seeds after New Zealand, who are the top seeds. They will be playing against Wales, who won the other group, Group C. Um, there were three groups in this, and then the the fourth team through to the semi-finals is basically the best loser, and that turned out to be England, who thrashed the United States 109-0 last night. And um, so the semi-finals will be on Tuesday: South Africa, Wales, New Zealand against. England. USA must just not play rugby, period. <laughs> all right, let's talk soccer. We've got two and a half minutes to fit in all the World Cup qualifiers and the CONFED and the golf, US Open. Uh, you know, there's so many World Cup, qual- World Cup qualifiers uh, taking place at the moment that I actually didn't even, I'm not even going to go through all of the others. We'll work that out all out next week. But what is important is the final against Ethiopia, it's at 3 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. It's a non-negotiable. Bafana mm. have to win. If they don't, if 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 they don't win, they can they can kiss everything goodbye. If they draw, then it becomes then they start having to depend on other teams beating Ethiopia, and yeah. it becomes very complicated. So let's let's leave it simply as we have to win this game in it's order to win. in order to. There's still one more game in the qualifiers before the final round of knockout games that take place in the African I qualifiers. I wish Ikesan had started one game earlier. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's, it, 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 it's, those, it's those draws right Draw against Botswana. Ah, it's going to come back and bite us. Banyana Banyana are playing against Zimbabwe tomorrow. Also starting tomorrow evening, half past nine, Brazil against Japan, the start of the Confederations Cup. That's live on SABC, by the way, for those who want to watch. That's going to be fun too. Where where are they playing at Maricana Stadium? Is it ready? In I think it is. Yeah, uh, <laughs> some of it is. <laughs> some of it is. Um, they, they, good. No, the Maracana Stadium will, is, is fine. They will use it. Um, there is one stadium at a place whose name escapes me right now, and it's not going to come back to me. Some Brazilian Portuguese name or another. Um, but Nigeria is representing Africa. Yes. Okay. They are representing Africa. Yesterday they weren't, but today they are. They're having, they're in, they've been in a pay dispute again. <laughs> um, but they got on a plane and they will be there. They're playing against Tahiti on Monday. Okay, we've got 30 seconds. Please give us golf. Luke Donald is at the top of the leaderboard, even though he hasn't finished his first round yet. He's on four under par. Clubhouse leader is Phil Mickelson, who flew overnight because he had to attend his daughter's eighth grade graduation. Um, so he slept on the plane, and then he played a couple of holes, and then when there was a three-hour rain delay, he slept again, and then came out and shot a 67. People, uh, more people should try that. The best of the South Africans, Tim Clark and Charles Schwartzel, did finish their rounds. They shot 70. That's level par. Ernie Els is level par. He's finished eight. Brandon Grace is level par. He has finished Seven. Um, there's more weather expected today, so it's going to be tough for them to finish. It wouldn't surprise me if this turns out to be a 54-hole tournament mm-hmm. at Marion in Pennsylvania because there's lots of big storm clouds going on there. And Big Easy in his heydays will 
just easily win this one. But thank you very much, Janet. Enjoy your weekend. We shall talk to you again on email early on Monday morning around about 6 o'clock talking about rugby and Bafana Bafana, of course. And time now for Create with Michelle Constant.